Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hi, and welcome back to Hire the Smile, Episode 8. Uh, brought to you by Oculus Insights, the podcast all about human resources and how to use people to build great businesses. Once again, joined by my colleague, Katie Arline. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? Hey, Mike. I'm doing well. Thanks. So we are in Canada, in Ontario, and uh, COVID is returning with a bit of a vengeance. Everywhere you look in the news, in Europe particularly, uh, America, Canada, parts of Canada, it's, it's back. The second wave is real. So we do have a bit of a theme this week as it relates to COVID. So Katie, I'm going to pass it over to you. You found some interesting articles and uh, I've got a pretty uh, bizarre one too. (laughs) So um, the first article that I thought we would talk about is uh, from the Human Resources Director Magazine online article digest. It's by Rachel Reynosa from October 14th, 2020. Uh, and the name of the article uh, is New Data Suggest Canadians Are Seeing a Decline in Their Mental Health. So um, the premise, basic premise of the article is that four in 10 uh, Canadian workers are having trouble staying motivated at work. So the 40%, that's pretty high. Uh, and one in three are struggling with staying focused at work. So um, motivation, focus, both declining uh, or a struggle right now, which is absolutely understandable. The article talks about how there are concerns about the second wave that are um, leading to this, as you talked about earlier, and possible uh, going back to possible lockdowns and just overall uncertainty about what's going to happen and adjusting to life in the new normal of COVID and mask wearing and bubbles and small groups and all that kind of thing. I imagine this is not just a Canadian problem either. I'm sure this is anywhere where there's COVID, people are feeling this right now. Definitely. Especially in in light of the shutdowns coming again. It's just always nice to find Canadian data when we're in Canada. It is rare. (laughs) So concerns about the second wave, like I talked about, lockdowns, uncertainty, and then some of the factors that they talk about that are contributing are just general emotional exhaustion. Uh, and how people aren't necessarily able to balance work with fun and social contact and getting out and about and going on vacation. You know, I've seen with the folks that we work with through Oculus, there are a number of people, managers in particular, who are feeling guilty about taking time off or or feeling like if they leave, then something's going to happen, which is, you know, could be perfectly valid. But I think that there's still a way that people can can find to take time without uh, without feeling bad about it. Do you have any thoughts about that, Mike? No, it's a hundred percent. I know uh, in our my own practice that you know we've been facing some people going out for testing and what have you, and uh, people have been unable to work. There's the concern about that. It is wearing, absolutely mm-hmm. wearing. And uh, I actually found myself last night. I just you know after dinner, I was just sitting there reading, and I was just like, I'm pooped. Like I'm mm-hmm. done. It's only Wednesday. I didn't really had uh, an intense, crazy day, but I'm just like, I'm done. And yeah, I mean, the idea of being able to go off on and do something interesting, go out for dinner, uh, celebrate, just do anything. It's just the options aren't there. No. Uh, the article goes on to talk about how just rest isn't enough. So we're all exhausted and, and sleeping isn't enough. 
some people are working more and work is more draining. Uh, you know, a perfect example are the, some of the vet clinics we work with uh, where staff are off sick or they're off waiting for test results or they're off with kids either homeschooling or the children are waiting for COVID tests. And it really puts a strain on the rest of the staff. And I mean, it's it's nobody's fault, but we hear loud and clear from the staff that are sort of left behind, so to speak, that they're really feeling the strain and they're really feeling stretched thin. I would also think there's a bit of anticipation fatigue. Yeah. You know, because I know we were talking to one practice last week and it's like the what if, what happens if many people are, are out or sick or are waiting for testing? And, you know, when you have a busy practice and I mean, one thing, the balance of veterinary practices, most have done well during this pandemic. But it's come at a cost. We're starting to transition into winter in Canada. So there's the anticipation of, well, how are we going to do curbside pickup when it's freezing and snowing and freezing rain and what have you? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are just very worried about these what-if scenarios. In veterinary medicine, we're planners at all levels. And so I think people, that starts to grind people down as well, not just the now. Definitely. It's hard enough in general not knowing what the future holds, but much less right now. And yeah, I mean, the, the whole winter coming, and I imagine it wouldn't, you know, it's not just for vet clinics, thinking about restaurants who have been only allowed to be open for patio service. And like, what are they going to do in February in downtown Toronto? That's not really a, a time or place that's conducive to eating outside. So it's it's everybody, you know, worrying about job security, worrying about uh, what's going to happen. It's It's really difficult. So the article is sort of more to your point about the what's going to happen and what do we do if the article suggests or the author suggests that we're proactive now about planning for a possible uh, another lockdown like we had here earlier or planning in general for mental health and well-being. So anticipating that staff are going to be more stressed, anticipating that they might need more support as painful it can, as it can be to deal with the now and the future. I think we really need to look at the future and and think about, okay, what's What's our plan if this happens? And I mean, it could be something as simple as, okay, well, we decided that if a veterinarian is off because uh, they have to get tested, then we're just going to, unfortunately, if it's not an urgent case, just cancel those appointments instead of thinking about how to pilot on to people who are already bursting at the scheduling seams. So, Or the alternative is, and this happened with us, is last week we had a vet out for most of the week waiting on test results. Thankfully, they were negative. All of a sudden, she was at home bored, uh, started doing telemedicine, and mm-hmm. it really helped reduce the load off the vets that were working is because we'd have what we're thinking we were emergencies or we didn't want to have to reschedule things too much. And boom, all of a sudden, we we're doing telemedicine, charging for it. Clients were willing to pay for it. And I know a lot of practices are transitioning into telemedicine, but I think that's an area just as a tip, I guess, more than anything. And people start saying, well, if you have one less vet, how do you do things is, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe they can be at home doing telemedicine. Yeah, I think that's actually a fabulous unintended or maybe intended. It's pretty early in the morning to be intended segue into (laughs) the next article. Unless you have anything else you want to say about uh, the first one. I look at this and I was reading this and I was just like, yep, yep, yep. You know, as you're going through it, like this all applies. Absolutely. Uh, So the second article, which goes, you know, when I originally read the title, I was like, why are you sending me this article? This goes against everything that we stand for. But uh, when I read it, I (laughs) understood. (laughs) You know, that whole job security thing we were thinking of, I was like, what are you trying to tell me, Mike? (laughs) 
<laughs> so the second article uh, is called What We Really Need is Employee Disengagement. And we talk about employee engagement a lot uh, at Oculus, and it's you know a cornerstone of our HR program. But this article has a bit of a different spin on things, and it's not as bad as I thought. So uh, the article is by a gentleman called Ted Bauer. It's actually from October of 2019. But I think the best way to introduce the article is to talk about a quote here. I just need to find it. Okay, so the basic premise of the article is that uh, the author asserts that management uh, and uh, higher ups at big companies really actually don't care about employee engagement. They just care about uh, profits and they care about the you know people doing the jobs and money being made. There was an air of cynicism to this article that I didn't necessarily uh, agree with, but it is what it is. I think the information is still really good. So. The quote that um, that he put in the article is from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. So the quote is, but to make this a reality, organizations need to place more emphasis on actual leisure, allowing workers to leave the office entirely to refresh. So this is the disengagement part that he's talking about. Workplaces that attempt to build leisure opportunities into the workspace itself to keep their employees on site may be doing themselves and their employees a disservice. Because even though amenities like food trucks, foosball tables, and extensive schedules of social events may seem really cool, they are still at work. The key for organizations is to get away from needing to control employees at all times and let them disengage. So I thought this was interesting because we talk about or we hear about, you know, uh, the lengths that your Googles and Square and Microsoft go to to keep staff uh, at the office and to really have them build their life around work. Uh, and this is refuting that and saying, yeah, that's fine, but they're still at work at the end of the day. You know, it's always a question when you have events uh, with coworkers is, you know, they're the folks who just, who don't want to come, who wants to unplug. And we really have to make sure that we're not judging those people or thinking less of them. I mean, it's still work. You might really love your coworkers and get along with them really well, but it's still work if uh, if you're doing things for them at the workplace. So anyway, a uh, bit of a segue. So um, what the article is really saying is that uh, we need to train our managers and we as managers need to get more comfortable with allowing staff to work either different schedules or let them work from home or somewhere other than the office. It's funny because I was thinking about this in my own life. I have a friend who works at an accounting firm and all through COVID, he's been lucky enough that he's been able to work at home, but the CEO of his company is pretty uh, heck bent on having people come back to the office. And, you know, it's, it's within Ontario. It's in a place where the government is saying, if you don't have to go into work, then don't go into work. Uh, but the CEO is sort of, without overtly saying it, he's really encouraging people to come back to the office and trying to make plans for that. Even, you know, when we have the second wave and it's like, well, what's the point? And I, I didn't really understand. Mm. And then this article actually kind of laid it out for me a little bit. Uh, and I'm not saying this is the case for this person, but managers really want people's butts in their seats uh, because if they, <laughs> if people aren't at work, then managers feel less relevant. So I thought that was really interesting. And I think there's a, a an element of trust as well. And we've talked about this before. Anyway, the article says that people should be able to have lives as long as the work is getting done. If people are working from home and the work isn't getting done and you've asked all the questions you need to ask about why, uh, then they need to go. I mean, chances are if they're not doing the work at home, they weren't doing it at work either. Yep. Anyway, I thought it was really interesting. 
this article really underscores the need to not assume that work-life balance is the same for every person uh, and really uh, think about uh, making arrangements with people that work. So I love, you know, I was thinking about vet medicine is a hard, hard place to have people work at home, you know, for your um, technicians and for the veterinarians in particular. Uh, but I like the idea of, of thinking about, okay, well, this person can't come to work. They're not sick, but what else can they do? And, you know, maybe in the case of a veterinarian, there are other things that they can do, like telemedicine, like you mentioned, or working on protocol or something else while they're at home. In our own office, to minimize congestion or a number of people in the workplace, I mean, we've got a number of people that have been working from home, our accounts uh, receivable people, our accounts payable, Mm -hmm. our inventory uh, person does most of her stuff because we enter everything into computers. So she's able to see what we need to order and what, you know, transfer stuff around. And it's working well. And I read articles like this and I never think that I would never trust them to work at home. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that you have a team that you do trust. They know you trust them and everybody just gets the work done that needs to be done. And whether it takes six hours or eight hours or nine hours, it just gets done. It's hard because I'd like to see these people, but I totally recognize why we have to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've been working from home for a few years anyway. And, uh, you know, with going to client sites and, and visiting people, but now with not doing that and working at home, I'm like, oh man, I actually miss people. <laughs> mm-hmm. No kidding. <laughs> I miss like smiling faces that I used to see. So yeah. Yeah. So I thought uh, a couple of really good articles and something for us to think about definitely with that, the term disengagement, which doesn't yep. negate the importance of engagement. It's just yep. a different way of thinking about it. For sure. What do you got, Mike? So here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. So you own a business, one of your employees gets COVID, gets a positive test. What do you do? Do you tell the rest of the staff or do you respect the privacy of this person and just let them take some time off? What do you do? Yeah, this is a bit of um, a pickle because obviously you always think of privacy concerns when it comes to health. Uh, and I think in this case, though, there are safety concerns to me that trump the health concerns or the privacy concerns to some extent. I think I would definitely tell the staff that somebody is ill because obviously if, if contact tracing is going to happen, it's going to be known anyway. I wouldn't necessarily say who the person is though. If it's a small office, everybody's going to know who it is anyway. But I think in the interest of safety, it's really to me disingenuous to, to sweep it under the rug or to try and stifle people from talking about it. People need to feel comfortable about what's happening. And part of that is is sharing information and feeling better about it by talking to other people. What do you think? Well, I would 100% agree with you. But the article I found this weekend is from Bloomberg, end of August, <laughs> paints a different story. Uh, and this is mm-hmm. mainly United States. But I think the same goes on anywhere. And that is... Many companies, and these are bigger companies, are, you know, on one hand, giving lip service to, oh, we care about privacy, but they are really interfering in that communication, the safety, um, there's intimidations, they've let people go. I'm not going to name any names. The the articles uh, will be in the links for the podcast. I I was reading this and my jaw was dropping Mm -hmm. because yes, you want to have safety and to tell people that uh, a coworker that you work on a line with, or you work closely with, you know, had tested positive. It really doesn't show that you care about your employees. 
if you're keeping them in the dark and they're at the risk of, of getting infected. And I just, yeah, on one hand, I kind of get it because, you know, one person said, you know, we're a large company and you just worry about how, you know, you might have somebody gets on social media, misinterprets it yeah, and you're going to cause some problems. And I, I get that. I mean, it's a balancing act, but I just think the fact that you wouldn't tell people in the workplace that Sally or, or, uh, John Smith was positive and will be off for a few days. And if anybody was nearby, you know, uh, get tested. It was kind of chilling. And, I, and also the other fact, too, is that at least in the United States, and I'm sure other countries, too, is that there are some uh, government agencies or regulations that allow you to have, you know, to share this information. And it's not just it's, it's not happening. I think these agencies are just overrun. Absolutely. Uh, to be fair, just absolutely overrun and they can't deal with it. So any kind of worker protection is not available. I just think that the economy will come back, not as quick as we want to, but I, it's like the Great Recession 10, 12 years ago. If you don't take care of your employees when the times are bad, as soon as the opportunity is them for them to scoot and go somewhere else, they're going to take it. So, I mean, it's, I think this is really short-term viewpoint on things. Blew me away. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it also underlines, uh, you know, if, if workplaces, and I, I empathize with confusion, and I empathize with not wanting to have the wrong message out. But if you communicate as early as possible, then you can stifle some of that speculation and possible erroneous information going out on social media and all that kind of chatter, if you're just upfront. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, the article was was pretty, I was pretty shocked, to be honest, about um, some of the accounts of what people faced when they they even just casually talked about it, or people finding out that somebody had COVID like two weeks after the fact. And it just, it's really um, unsettling, that's for sure. You know, in contrary, I mean, just as an aside, I, I just read this last night, New England Patriots, uh, National Football League, American football team, you know, coached by Bill Belichick, and this is for people that don't, don't follow the NFL, and he is considered a really hardcore results first, you know, doesn't smile. I mean, this guy's just a, he is the epitome of just a hardcore football coach. They have had some positives on the team. Their star quarterback was positive, and there's been some delays of games. And what was noted in, in the media is how all the players are really rallying around the coach because they just said, he has been amazing. He's, he has been demonstrating, talking to the players uh, every single day, going, your health is paramount. What can we do for you? Come and talk to me if you've got concerns. And so you've got this one image of this sort of like grim, results only don't nothing gets in the way of results and winning but when the, you know a personal situation happens he's totally switched his tune and i mean he's the loyalty of his staff or his to his his players to him are huge mm -hmm. and, and i sort of like well here's the flip side here's probably one of the most public teams in in the world and you know they're being transparent and they're demonstrating to their players that their health is more important than anything else so mm -hmm. it can be done Absolutely. So what do we have for wins and fails this week? I'll start. So my fail is um, a news report. And actually kind of a fail win, but uh, I don't know. I'll leave it up to people's interpretation. So the story is that uh, Amazon has come out and said that they've had, since the start of the pandemic, they've had 20,000 of their workers be positive for COVID. 
which is a huge number to me. And they may or may not have been one of the companies that were pointed to for trying to gag employees. Uh, but this article says it actually goes over a lot of the measures that they are taking at Amazon to really mitigate what's going on with COVID. Uh, and they're, you know, they're doing their own testing. Uh, they are offering paid time off for people who are sick or who need to need to get tested. They're offering health insurance from people's first day, giving out face masks, you know, eliminating in-person meetings, staggering break times, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the thing for me is, I mean, they were already at 20,000. So how long have they been doing these mitigation measures. So I applaud them to some extent for what they are doing. And I mean, they're kind of in an impossible situation because everybody's shopping more from home. You know, they have people in their warehouses and there's only so much you can do to keep people apart. Uh, and when you have a huge workforce, you're going to have a large number of cases, I suppose. But to me, you know, 20,000 cases at one company given, I mean, they're, they're a huge company, but it's still pretty, to me, uh, a reminder that things can get out of control pretty fast. No kidding. So that is my fail. Um, my win for the week, probably one of my favorite ones. So Palm Beach Gardens Fire Rescue, so the fire department at Palm Beach Gardens in Florida, uh, they have just um, launched the first uh, all-female firefighting team. So uh, I guess they, they do teams of you know various, people with various roles. It's the first time in their department they've had a female as a captain, a truck driver, a firefighter, rescue lieutenant, and medic. So I thought that was pretty cool, um, you know, in a, a very, very traditionally very. male-dominated profession, uh, that uh, these gals are are part of this first all-female team. And there's a, a video about them. It's really interesting to watch. So something that you could look up. That's fascinating. That's really yeah. cool. Thanks. So my fail is, <laughs> this came across my newsfeed last week, it's how not to let go of people. So yes, everybody knows these are tough times. And if you're in the hospitality or restaurant industry, you know that, boy, it, it's in the latest results I heard in Canada is that 60% of restaurants may close permanently by November if we have the second wave that we're in right now. So that might be happening. But there's a restaurant chain in America. I, I don't know it. I've never been there. This goes back a, f a few months, but I just like they laid off all their employees, their office staff of their uh, corporate workforce by text. Oh, that's charming. Yeah. So they got a, a text message in the morning saying, oh, yeah, you're going to get laid off. And then a phone call happened 15 minutes later. And so as one, per, you know, sort of explaining what happened, they got two weeks severance and just get out of here and like you're out of gone. And, you know, as one person said, I knew the layoffs would happen. You can anticipate they were going to happen. Uh, but when it happened, how it happened was a lot faster than I expected. It's just a text message. Mm. And then again, as, and this is where uh, a company is trying to have played on both sides that the same time that they got laid off, the company, you know, did ostensibly a very good community service. They donated 4,000 meals to a food banks and homeless shelters because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But as one person said, you can't be, you know, front facing on, on Instagram saying, Oh my God, aren't we a Kumbaya great company to work for. And then fire people by text. Yeah. You sort of like, what are people thinking? It's never okay. Just for everybody out there, firing somebody by text is never okay in any circumstance. <laughs> just never, never. I just, 
Oh, wow. Even email. Just, you know what? That that requires a conversation. Yeah. But I have, an, I have a really off-the-cuff win. Okay. There is a TV series on Apple Plus. That's their subscription streaming service mm. called Ted Lasso. And it is one of the most charming, uplifting shows that I have seen in recent memory. And it is, and I know they didn't create this thinking there's going to be a pandemic and they need a charming, uplifting show. But boy, it fits in well. The basic premise, and there is an HR tie into this, is uh, there's a football team in the UK and the uh, ex-wife of of the former owner now owns the team and she wants to destroy the team uh, because that was her ex-husband's pride and joy. So she brings in what she thinks is an incompetent manager from America who is a football coach mm-hmm. to coach a soccer team. So I'm not going to say f- football in Europe and football in America will get too confusing. And it, it's with Jason Sudeikis, who's a great comedic actor. And it is a great example of, of how you can lead a team. And so you know, the, from the nature element, I really enjoy it because here's this outsider who knows nothing about the sport. Uh, he's absolutely a very naive person, but he just gets the team together. And yes, it's a show and it's scripted, but the premises are there. But it's one of those things when you're having a horrible day and it's just like, oh, I can't handle it. Put the show on. It's family, any age. It's uplifting. It's cheesy, I would say, but without being overboard. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it. And you, you watch it and you get done and you're like, I don't believe I'm laughing at this. And this is, I would never laugh at a show like this, but I'm laughing and I love it. So I highly recommend it. Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Love it. Okay. Somebody that I have a running person that I follow on um, social media really, really highly recommended it um, as sort of a, a lesson in leadership and and how to Absolutely. bring a team together. So I need to get myself some Apple TV, I think. And, and the other thing is too, is that we're not traveling. And I used to go over to Europe quite a bit and travel uh, before this pandemic. It's just nice seeing a small town in the UK and just like, I can't be there, but I can watch it. Other places exist. <laughs> other places exist other than my office. My house, yeah. Yeah, in my neighborhood. So, yeah. all righty. We will cool. chat in another couple of weeks. And if anybody has any suggestions for articles or any, have any questions about HR, please uh, let us know at info at oculusinsights.net or just look at us uh, at Facebook or LinkedIn. And so we would love to answer any listener questions. Have a great day, Katie. Thanks. Stay safe. At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success.